This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Majority Report, The David Packman Show, The Young Turks, The Media Matters Minute, and Counterspin. And a note that we strongly recommend asking your doctor about the risks related to prolonged exposure to discussions about Fox News before listening. Rush Limbaugh, though, he is whining about uh, that it's just me and Fox News out here, and I don't even think they care that much. He should be happy to note that, yes, Fox News does care about Limbaugh. They realize they are joined at the hip. Responding to a piece uh, in the New Republic, the newly launched New Republic, where President Obama is talking about immigration reform. And he's basically saying what, um, in many respects, I've been saying for quite some time, that the only way Republicans will be able to support this is if they are able to shake off the yoke of the Frankenstein that they have created. Remember back in 2007 where George, when George Bush and Karl Rove knew that the future of the Republican Party was in jeopardy because of how much they had alienated Hispanics, among other people, they attempted some type of immigration reform, and the Frankensteins, the electoral base of the Republican Party, rebelled, talk radio rebelled, and sunk the whole bill. And so Obama was basically saying, if these Republicans have to kowtow to Fox, into Rush Limbaugh, it may not happen. And of course, well, that provided a segment for Fox, one of the Fox and Friends, Steve Dushi, who brings on a paid legal consultant to tell him just how great Fox is. Let's play this first clip. After he went after the Second Amendment and guns, now the president unhappy with freedom of speech, going after the First Amendment, criticizing Fox News Channel and Rush Limbaugh saying, quote, one of the biggest factors is going to be how the media shapes debates. If a Republican member of Congress is not punished on Fox News or by Rush Limbaugh for working with a Democrat on a bill of common interest, then you're going to see more of them doing it. Here to comment, Fox News legal analyst Peter Johnson Jr. What's the president doing there? The imperial presidency playbook is open, and they're in the middle of the book uh, at, at this point. So as you say, the Second Amendment is in doubt, and now the First Amendment is seriously in doubt. There it is. The First Amendment is seriously in doubt because President Obama said that if the right-wing media punishes Republican lawmakers, they won't be able to do anything responsible and they'll be beholden. And that's, of course, how you destroy the First Amendment. <laughs> Let me draw a diagram of that. No, I can't. <laughs> Let's play the second clip uh, as they come out of playing a clip of Rush Limbaugh bemoaning the fact that they're all alone. Fox News stands for the First Amendment today, as does Rush Limbaugh. Um, the job of Fox News is to go after policies and to go after politicians in a constructive way. Fox News has the best reporters in America and the best commentators and thinkers in America. If that upsets the President of the United States or the Democratic leadership, then so be it. That is the bulwark of our democracy. Ask Thomas Jefferson, ask Alexis de Tocqueville commenting on America. 
look at our history. Without a free press, there's not a free America. Without a free Fox, there's not a free America. People can love us, hate us, watch us or not. But Fox is doing its job. Fair and balanced means something, especially in a media that's in the tank across the board. And the president does not like that. There's a reason we're number one. All right. Absolutely. Peter John. Wow, the studio audience really enjoyed that. I love the idea of saying, uh, just the saying the name Alexis de Tocqueville while looking at Steve Ducey. Like entering some type of vortex. That is. These two words, it's like elements that of the is one of the, <laughs> That is. You are like Alexis de Tocqueville, Steve Ducey. Ah! Is he French? <laughs> Steve Ducey's face, like, turning all red. He's looking down oh, to the well, floor. Oh, well, I, like, I yeah. really, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I really don't know what to say. Embrasse-moi de support. Viens, mon ange, retracer le ciel. J'irai crucifier ton corps. Pourrais-je tes punaises et tes ailes embrasser, te mordre en même temps, enfoncer mes ongles dans ton dos brûlant, te supplier de me revenir et tout faire au tout pour te voir partir et viens, emmène-moi là-bas, donne-moi la main que je ne la prenne pas, écorche mes ailes, envole-moi et laisse-toi tranquille à la fois. Mille fois entrelaçons-nous et lassons-nous-mêmes en dessous. Serre-moi encore, serre-moi jusqu'à étouffer de toi. Let's talk about Fox News's ratings. Speaking, if we have, we go from the Dow Jones and President Obama's approval being really high to Fox News ratings hitting a 12-year low in the key demographic of 25 to 54. So in cable news, people, a lot of people I know, our audience just does not watch cable news. So to give you a backgrounder, in case you're not aware. Cable news has been essentially dominated in prime time by uh, by Fox News. In, in the top 12 or 13 programs for quite some time are Fox News programs. Okay. Now, things changed this month. Fox had only nine of the top 10 programs instead of the top 13 within that key 25 to 54 demographic. And within that demographic... Fox had its worst ratings during prime time since August of 2001. In other words, we have to look at before 9-11 to when Fox News had ratings this bad in prime time among that key 25 to 54 demographic. What do you think is causing this? Uh, I wish I could say it's us uh, calling Fox News out on their nonsense. Yeah, but uh, I think it's a lot of things. I mean, it, is it an overall drop in... Uh, in cable TV? Well, that's, there's, a, there's a number of factors. Number one is that a lot of the audiences of the cable networks and PBS and some of these kind of establishment media are aging out, and we see that significantly if you look at PBS fundraising issues that they're having, but that's kind of a different story. But remember, at, after the election in 2012, just a few months ago, a ton of Fox News viewers tuned out just after President Obama won. And during the inauguration, the same thing happened. People just saying, no Fox News for me. So what it may be is people are, are just upset. People who want to tune into Fox News and see the Republican talking points and all that stuff are kind of disappointed saying, wow, all of this anti-Obama stuff happening on Fox News for years and he gets reelected, I'm just kind of bummed, so I'm just not watching as much. That's, that's one possibility. Uh, the other thing I want to mention is when you look at the ratings, you see that there are some other changes, including, for example, Rachel Maddow 
beating the 11 p.m. repeat of Bill O'Reilly and the 7 p.m. Studio B with Shepard Smith on Fox News. And some people are saying, that that's huge, that's fantastic. It is true that that hasn't happened before much, uh, at least not uh, uh, more than a, a night here or there. But the moves to MSNBC for some of the audience are interesting because I don't believe that the future of media is there, right? Because as we've talked about many times, MSNBC has decided that as a business model, they want to have a more liberal, primetime editorial uh, slant. And that's fine, but it is their business decision, and it's a business decision they're using to make the same types of dollars that Fox News is making with their conservative uh, uh, point of view. I still believe that, broadly, this is not the future of media. No. Um, for a lot of people that are maybe 10 years older than us, uh, when they wanted to watch the news, they had no choice, right? This was the only media they could consume. Right. And now, of course, uh, it's wide open. So, um, And as we saw with our friend Cenk Uygur from the Young Turks story on MSNBC, it looked like, wow, this guy's making the crossover to mainstream media. And then as it turned out, before actually signing him for a year, they said, according to Cenk, you know, you've got to be less critical of Obama, etc. Not, not a good sign. No, no. Uh, I think they're going to need a, a major revamp of how they uh, do the programming. Here at Best of the Left, supporting the good works of others is our entire reason for existence. Since the beginning of 2006, I've been making this show to highlight what I consider to be some of the best of the truly liberal media. Now I'm working on several ways to promote the best progressive activism around. Ruminate for a moment on whether you enjoy this show or consider its goals to be worthwhile, and if you do, please consider supporting this work by becoming a member for as little as $5 a month or even $55 a year at the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. It's the donations of members that allow the show to continue and continue to improve. Thanks so much for your support. Dick Morris let go by Fox News, so he's on the loose. Uh, he's immediately going to go to CNN and have an interview with Piers Morgan. Now, uh, Fox News let him go because he was an embarrassment. Uh, he lied all throughout the election about, oh, don't worry, we're going to win easily. Romney's going to crush Obama. And then after the election, he admitted, well, you know, I wanted to buck up the troops, so I kind of made that stuff up. Uh, in reality, of course, what he was trying to do was raise money for his own organization, and he was trying to keep people optimistic and sending those checks in. So now he's going to go on Piers Morgan and lie throughout that interview, too. So let's give you a couple of those lies. And in 2010, I was the only person that said the Republicans would pick up 60 to 80 okay. seats in the House. All right, now that is untrue in a number of ways. First of all, Stu Rothenberg had a better prediction. He said it was 55 to 70 seats. He was very specific. It wound up being 63 seats. Now, uh, of course, he wasn't the only one, but he didn't say uh, just 60 to 80 seats. He started with 60 to 80 seats. But then he saw the money flowing in. He said, I think we can get more if you start sending me more money. Because that's how Dick Morris does. So uh, he started what was called Project 100 to try to pick up 100 seats in the House. And he promised everybody that they would do it. So he didn't say 60 to 80. He said 100. They got 63. So it's maybe a small lie, but it's Dick Morris. We're just getting warmed up. Give me more. And I said that we were going to um, win nine seats in the Senate. Uh, the Republicans won six, and three of the losses were by less than a point. 
So come on. Come on. I love how brazen this guy is. Three of their losses were under a point. So Dave Weigel did some research and found out what the three closest races were. Colorado, 1.7 points. Washington, 5.3 points. Nevada, 5.7 points. Nowhere near under one point. And by the way, he didn't say that they were going to pick up nine seats. Quote, this is what he said, Connecticut and New York, after the primary, are in play. That's a gain of up to 13 seats. <laughs> Connecticut and New York? I mean, that's exactly what's wrong with Dick Morris. Don't worry, everybody. Send in the money. We're going to win everywhere. Yeah. We're going to win in Hawaii, where Obama was born or not born. Yeah. And Rhode Island and Massachusetts. We're going to win. Just send me the money, Lebowski. But we're not done yet. This is my favorite lie. I have uh, gotten 30 senators and governors elected, 14 presidents and prime ministers, the president of the United States twice. And Lincoln and George Washington. And I got Martin Luther King elected president of the United States. Yeah, yeah, that's the ticket. Okay. He said he got a U.S. president elected twice. That would be Bill Clinton. Dick Morris did not work on the 1992 campaign. Just didn't remotely work on it. He was brought in after President Clinton won. And by the way, he wasn't even there in 1996 when they won. He worked on the campaign, to be fair. But he was fired two months before the election for being caught with a hooker. This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Emma Sprague. After Fox News officials confirmed that they were not renewing his contract, Dick Morris appeared on CNN's Pierce Morgan Tonight to discuss, among other things, his split from Fox. Let's take a listen. What people are asking is why are Fox not interested now in your views on whether a publisher wants to go? I don't know what Fox is interested in or not. They also told you, didn't they? Well, I had a wonderful talk with Roger Ailes, who I really respect, a week ago. And he said, in this business, you're up, you're down, nothing is final or fatal. But why are you down now as far as that? Because I was wrong, and I was wrong at the top of my lungs. But that didn't stop Morgan from inviting Morris back to CNN. Hey, Morris, good to see you. You can always come back here to CNN. We're not going to ban you or fire you. But Morris has been wrong about far more than just Romney not winning the presidential election in a landslide. During his tenure at Fox, he engaged in highly unethical behavior and used Fox's airwaves for self-promotion. Joining me is David Schuster, host of Take Action News on We Act Radio on TakeActionNews.com and also on YouTube at YouTube.com slash TV. David, I know I should probably build up to this, but I just want to get right into the good stuff that I know people want to know right away. So from, from 96 okay. to 2002, you were a Washington, D.C.-based correspondent for Fox News Channel, and then you went on to MSNBC. So when you were at Fox News, how explicit is the right-wing talking point point of view in terms of the direction that that on-air staff get fox was a very different organization back then than it is now when i joined fox news i had been a local reporter in little rock arkansas i had led uh, my local station's coverage of the whitewater investigation i had really good contacts in ken Starr's office and so fox news hired me to washington to essentially keep track of whitewater in case it went anywhere 
And then when the Monica Lewinsky scandal broke, a lot of the prosecutors I'd covered in Arkansas, they were then working for Star. So I had great contacts in the office of the independent counsel. And I never really had any um, issue with Fox either saying, do a story this way or, or don't do it that way. Uh, the biggest problem that I had was with some of the on-air talent, uh, some of the hosts who would take this sort of carefully crafted information about the Whitewater investigation or about the Monica Lewinsky scandal and take it out of context and use it for their own agenda. So that was a sort of a constant battle internally. We would also get the memos from uh, the head of the sort of editorial side of Fox News saying, here's the types of stories we're going to be following. But I didn't really sense that there was a, um, a heavy hand or a, an oppressive sort of right-wing hand on Fox News until really uh, starting with the Florida recount in 2000. And then it became more obvious, and that's when I felt like, wow, maybe this isn't such a great place for me. Right, so you were on the You Decide 2000, I don't know if it's staff or, or whatever, you were part of You Decide 2000 and, and everything that took place around the 2000 election. So at that point, as things were developing with the Supreme Court and with the recounts and all of this stuff, was there any kind of, of concerted decision about what the point of view would be? Is it just kind of known what it would be? Well, it became pretty obvious to me that I had uh, covered the John McCain campaign and it felt like uh, there was a lot more sort of uh, effort to try to get me to do negative stories about John McCain in the 2000 Republican primaries than to get the guy who was covering George W. Bush to do negative stories about him. Hmm. So I felt like the network management, in a sense, was more sort of in the George W. Bush camp. But then during the Florida recount, and I was down in Tallahassee for, uh, for four weeks, where it became so apparent to me is that uh, you recall that on election night, when all the networks got it wrong, one of the talking points from the Republicans was that, well, if the networks had not called the state of Florida when they did, thousands of voters in the panhandle of Florida would not have been disenfranchised. And then keep in mind, some of the polls closed in Florida, most of the state at 7 o'clock. And then in the panhandle, which is in the central time zone, it actually closes at 7 o'clock central time, which is 8 o'clock eastern. The networks called Florida for Gore initially. 10 till. And so the argument was, oh, my God, there were thousands of conservative Republicans in the panhandle of Florida that didn't vote. And if the networks had not called it early for Al Gore, then George W. Bush would have won the votes, period. That was a talking point on election night and for several days afterwards. So what Fox News did is they sent one of my colleagues, a guy by the name of Brett Baer, right. to the panhandle to find these thousands of Republican voters who had heard that Al Gore won Florida and were disenfranchised and decided not to vote. And Brett couldn't find any of them. He and his crew, because they didn't exist. There were no people. If they were waiting in line a quarter of, they voted anyway. Brett could not find any of these people. So he then comes to Tallahassee and tells me, you know, this talking point, this Republican talking point is wrong. And I said, oh, well, you're going to do the story then, right? You're going to report that there's, there were none of these you know, thousands of people that were disenfranchised, that, in fact, Al Gore, that the networks, that George W. Bush would not have won the overall vote, regardless of what the networks did. He said, no, I'm not going to do that story. And I said, well, why not? I mean, our job is you go and report, and we've got people on the air right now saying that George W. Bush would have won Florida had it not been for the networks. And he said, no, nah, I'm just not going to do this story. I'm not going to rock the boat. And that's when I realized that, okay, Fox did have an agenda to sort of let this talking point be out there that George W. Bush would have won had it not been for the networks. And I felt right then, Brett Baer is going to go very far in this news channel because He's playing to management. He's not necessarily playing to journalism. And that was, you know, that was a choice that he made. I was, um, I was disturbed by it and felt like, no, that's not the choice that I would have made. And when I was in Florida, I reported what I was finding, and that is both sides were working like hell to try to win the recount. And there were shenanigans on both sides. It wasn't just Al Gore that was, you know, trying to, to rig certain things. It wasn't just George W. Bush. But the network starting in the Florida recount had very much of an agenda to say, 
Al Gore is trying to steal this thing. So that's a pretty candid discussion to have with Brett Baer, who now hosts the 6 p.m. News Hour. I mean, he's one of the main Fox News guys at this point, and you were right in your your prediction that he would go far with that point of view. And he basically just admitted, you know, it's just it's gonna it's gonna stir things up if I report that. I'm just just not gonna talk about it at all. Do you find that there's kind of two sides, right? We saw the Bill Salmon memos where they say right. this is how we're gonna talk about health care, and that's like a very proactive way to push basically Republican talk points, but you're talking about a different thing, which is just the exclusion of certain stories that might conflict with the party line. So, so it's really, it's like a two-sided approach. Absolutely. And the two sides, and you've identified them perfectly. The one side would be the host who, you know, the, the people who host certain shows who they will express whatever opinion of Bill Salmon or somebody from management sends in a memo. They will weave that into their commentary, into their discussions. And then the second side is involves the people who consider themselves to be reporters and that is they will report on certain stories and they will not touch other stories and so you know folks like a Brett Baer or other people who consider themselves journalists they will do an admirable job with the stories that they are presented or the stories they are asked to cover but there's a whole range of stories that these reporters even they may say hey we should go cover this story over here but Fox News management will say no no we're, we're not going to cover that story we're not going to talk about that and sometimes the absence of covering stories, particularly ones that hit you in the face, that's where the bias can show up. So let's talk a little bit about MSNBC, because we get, yeah. being on the on the progressive side of independent media myself, I hear two, two kind of opinions about MSNBC. One is people who really like it, and they like Rachel Maddow, and, uh, uh, and they like everything that's going on on the channel. And others who say, you know, the Keith Olbermann thing is really just kind of an example. Keith Olbermann, uh, the controversy over his political donations and eventually leaving the channel, is really an example that MSNBC has chosen as a profit product to have editorially more progressive uh, uh, commentators, but really that it's indistinguishable f from Fox News in the sense that they both are just corporate media putting out the product they think will make them the most money. Rachel Maddow has come back and said, now, you know, these are both for-profit companies, but there's a huge difference between the kind of uh, uh, decidedly right-wing talking points that pervade the supposed news coverage on Fox and MSNBC having liberal opinion programming. Having worked for both, what's your take? How do you compare them? Well, well, it's a great question and a great uh, analysis, and that is, I would say a couple of things. Yes, there is a um, there is a bias on both sides. And once upon a time, I would have said Fox News was far more conservative than MSNBC could ever be, quote unquote, liberal. Mm. However, I would say that has started to balance out a little bit more. That that the MSNBC has become much more sort of progressive, liberal. Uh, than before, uh, than certainly when I started there. But a couple of things. I would also argue, though, that the Rachel Maddows, the, the Keith Obermans, uh, Ed Schultz, uh, Chris Matthews, it's much more of a fact-based approach. And I think that's also been something that progressives will instinctively tell you, that progressives tell me, look, we don't want the thumb on the scale. We simply want a fact-based, a science-based discussion of these issues. And that's where I think, you know, the MSNBC commentators do a better job than Fox and that, yes, you may think, well, Rachel Maddow has a point of view or Lawrence O'Dowdell or Ed Schultz, but they tend to be, they tend to adhere to facts and basic science much more in a strict, strict sort of fashion than you get on the opposite side over at Fox News. And that's where I'd say the difference is. Now you could, and I think this is something that progressives will, will say, of course, progressives, I think most progressives would tell you if you have a fact-based discussion, Progressives are going to win 70% of the time. And I think that seems to be what I hear from my former colleagues at MSNBC. They just want to have an arduous, arg uh, 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 a very arduous 
um, on-point discussion that is fact-based, and then they believe that their progressive points of view will win. Last thing, we saw after the 2012 election results, viewers tune out a lot from Fox News. Their ratings have, while they're still very good in, in a kind of aggregate sense, in, in, in the key demographics in prime time, they've been lower than they, they were since before 9-11, uh, in fact. What do you think this is a response to? Is this just some fatigue after losing an election, or could this be kind of the start of a longer-term shift away from that type of programming? I think it's part of a longer-term shift. I mean, the credibility gap at Fox News has been there for a long time, and it, I think it is finally catching up with them. The, the drumbeat of criticism, legitimate criticism that they get from organizations who pay attention to facts, who say, okay, Fox News gets it wrong, or they got it wrong, or Jon Stewart, for example, perhaps the most effective at that. I mean, Fox News' credibility simply doesn't exist anymore. It is seen as a Republican House organ, as GOP propaganda. And even when Fox does a straight news story, it is now viewed through the prism of, well, this is, do, this is being done to further a particular Republican agenda. And I think Americans realize even some moderates and conservatives felt they got burned in the last election by all the predictions on Fox News about Mitt Romney winning the election and it's going to be a landslide and all that, of course, turned out to be wrong. And I think people are realizing that in this day and age, when you want to have accurate information around you, regardless of your pre-existing political views, you want accurate information. And I think more and more Americans feel that what they're getting from Fox News simply is not accurate and cannot be trusted. All right, David Schuster, host of Take Action News on We Act Radio. Check it out at TakeActionNews.com. Also, YouTube.com slash TakeActionNewsTV. I, I can't say you held anything back, David. This was great. Thanks so much for doing it. <laughs> You're very welcome, David. Congratulations on all your success. As an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently owned businesses. That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, just one of the major companies under constant boycott by one liberal cause or another, from the banner posted at bestoftheleft.com. Better yet, click through just once and bookmark that link to use every time you shop. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal. It will cost you nothing extra, but 7 to 8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whatever you consider that to be. Fox News has been slipping in the ratings. Now, look, they've still got the top 9 out of 10 cable news shows. Everybody's making a big deal because Rachel Maddow broke into the top 10, and that's great. Uh, but she's at number 10, so I'm giving Fox News their due. They've been leading for 11 straight years in that category, but they are definitely slipping, and they are losing some significant audience. Uh, O'Reilly, for example, used to be above 3 million viewers. He's now clearly below that. Sean Hannity used to be number 2 overall. He's down to number 4, right? And... And I think a lot of people are getting sick of Hannity's propaganda. But the other problem is that people have stopped believing in Fox News as much. Now, look, you know, if you're a progressive or you're just a sentient human being in America, you didn't believe in Fox News in the first place. But a lot of conservatives did. And obviously a big portion of the country is conservative. Well, now they've done some serious damage to their brand. So the new numbers are in, and 41% say that they trust Fox News, but 46% do not. So... Obviously, uh, they're in negative territory there. It, honestly, the fact that 41% trusted is amazingly high. 
But back in 2010, not that long ago, the numbers were reversed. 49% said they trusted Fox News. Isn't that amazing? And 37% said that they didn't. Man, see, that, like we take everything for granted. I mean, we've shown you a million Fox stories where they make up stuff. They say outrageous, ridiculous things, clearly propaganda for the Republican Party. But most people, they don't see that. And so they're like, I don't know, it says news in the title. Okay, I trust them. Okay, but they're losing that. And partly because they're losing a lot of conservatives. Why? Because they lied. They lied and said Romney was going to win. Now, it's one thing when, you lie, when they lie and they say, oh, Obama's a bad guy, Democrats are bad guys, Obama's a socialist, Maoist, Marxist, the conservatives cheer. But they got everybody's hopes up on the Republican side, like, yeah, Romney's going to win, yeah, it's going to be great, because they live in this alternate universe. And when that alternate universe collided with the real universe, oops. And so they're losing them in terms of the ratings, they're losing them in terms of trust. But don't get me wrong, it's not like the other cable news are doing any better. When you look at MSNBC, only 35% trust it, and 44% don't. So those numbers aren't any better at all. In fact, they're a little worse. right? And how about CNN, the most trusted name in news? Well, wrong again, Bob. 38% trusted, 43% do not trust it. Not trusted name in news. And by the way, the American people are right about all of this. You shouldn't trust cable news. They're all, you know... It's going to be very crass, I'll be a little crasser, but they, they kiss the ass of the politicians and the government and the establishment, and they say, oh, yes, sir, absolutely, the beloved honorable gentleman from Connecticut, etc. That's why we don't trust them, because we know those are not honorable gentlemen. Those are guys who are taking donor money and doing whatever the hell they want for the money, right? So, now, to be fair to Fox, by the way, they're polarizing, right? So conservatives, generally speaking, although they're a little angry recently, as I explained, love them and the others don't right so they're actually the most trusted name in news in the sense that they are a 34 percent which is the highest number of all of them trust fox news the most but they're also the least trusted name in news because 39 percent trust fox news the least they win in both categories it's funny uh and if you're a conservative uh, you're beginning to realize what the rest of us all knew they're lying to you. Some of them might be sweet little lies that you enjoy, uh, but others wind up stinging when you realize they've been making it up all along. This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Bradley Herring. Fox News host Geraldo Rivera is the latest Republican to leverage a Fox News platform into a possible run for political office. Here he is during an appearance on Fox and Friends. Yeah, you spoke about being uh, the Senate in the Senate, and uh, you created quite a firestorm yesterday on your radio show when you said, you know what, I am seriously giving thought to running as a Republican in my home state of New Jersey. Look at that, you've already got your stump speech down. I've got, I've got a question for you. If you do run for Senate, though, you can't be on TV or the radio. Well, if you do yeah. run, you got to come back and catch to make your official. Well, I'll, I'll be here every Friday uh, until uh, <laughs> such, such time as it's no longer legal. And if that wasn't enough, Fox News Latino ran a column entitled "Geraldo Rivera: If I Were Senator Rivera from New Jersey." The column gave Geraldo the opportunity to show how he plans to use his media platform to benefit his candidacy.
Oh, yeah, Scott Brown. This just uh, warms the cackles of my uh, hat <laughs> to tell you that uh, number one dude in uh, Massachusetts, Scott Brown, uh, not only did he not run for Senate, he was sitting around saying, uh, you know, ever since I did those Playboy modeling or whatever it was, Playgirl, I've always realized I had an in, in it, uh, charisma. And so I figure I'm going to get a job on uh, Fox News. <laughs> so indeed, we will not be seeing Governor Brown. We're going to see, uh, you know, Scotty, Scotty B on Fox News, <laughs> kicking it, uh, basically because uh, he took a look at his uh, checkbook and he said, uh, do I want to drive a pickup truck all the time or I want to get in one of those sweet cruising cars like an IROC Z? Classic cruising car from Massachusetts. And he wanted a Maserati. So uh, there it is. Scott Brown, you won't have me to kick around anymore. I'm going to be uh, living high on Fox News. So F you, you douches. <laughs> F you. What music? We were talking about how Scott... Scott's decisions in life and political analysis are impacted by listening to Journey. And his oh, career. yeah. People wanted to know why I wanted to do it, because uh, I've been listening to a lot of tunes since I've been out of work. <laughs> and uh, I figured it out when I was um, listening to uh, some Phil Collins. I was just jamming it in my basement. Uh, you know, I was uh, sipping a couple of brews. And uh, I was, uh, you know, uh, I took a little blow on the hook, and uh, I was listening to some uh, some Phil Collins, just cranking in the air tonight, <laughs> and that was like I knew it. I felt it, like I could tell it was in the air tonight. Time for me to go to Fox News. It was like literally in the air. It was totally in the air. It was just hanging right in front of me. I woke up. I was like, whoa! There's Fox News. Coincidentally, Fox News was on the TV too. So then I realized it wasn't just in the air. It was actually on the TV. But uh, that's the thing, because I got a flat, sweet flat screen in the basement in my man cave. And uh, I saw Fox News on there, and I was like, bingo. <laughs> and why did he run against Martha Coakley? What? Because, man, I didn't want that, 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 that you know, that uh, B-I-T-C-H, if you know what I mean, to be a senator of Massachusetts. This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Chelsea Rudman. Fox News host Geraldo Rivera again said he may leverage his Fox News platform into a run for political office. Here he is on Fox & Friends. Soon to be senator. Are you, when are you <laughs> making that decision? Uh, <laughs> Next year. You know, I, I, I will be here until five minutes before I file. Uh, I have not made the final decision. I am obviously exploring it very sincerely and okay. leaning in that direction, but I hesitate to make any statement because I need this job. 
Of course, Fox News has proven to be a great place for Republican politicians to raise their national profile while earning a paycheck. The network gave contributors Newt Gingrich and Rick Santorum at least 18 hours of airtime before suspending their contracts in the lead-up to the 2012 election. And speaking of that level, Fox News has debunked Fox News. <laughs> we, we've grown to know years and years of Fox News being debunked by others, but now Fox News is debunking different areas of Fox News. There was a Fox Nation headline which falsely claimed that President Obama called for, quote, billions in new deficit spending during his State of the Union address. And there was a link to a FoxNews.com article which purportedly showed the evidence of that. However, the FoxNews.com article debunked that claim by explaining that the president's statement is that the proposals would not not add to the deficit. So Fox News debunking itself, it's, it's just so funny. Um, they don't even know what seems to be going on. They're linking to articles that disprove the headline on, on one article. It's completely disjointed over there, Lewis. I don't know what's going on. It seems like they're falling apart. Do you get what went on here, Natan? Like, how could this have happened? In other words, you do a headline and it says, Obama pleads for billions in new deficit spending. And then you say, here's our source. And then the source says that actually this proposal, these set, these, this set of proposals doesn't add any deficit spending. Is it a joke? Is it just poor research? What it's is not it? a joke. It's, it's analogous to when they had that guy on who said that he was uh, an, an Obama supporter who had turned into a Romney supporter and he was actually lying. They, just, <laughs> they go at whatever they find, no matter how... Uh, poor it is as a piece of evidence and you know as you expect since it's not really good evidence based on fact it's the facts are bound to seep in there we had this yeah go ahead i mean sometimes we know that with uh certain headlines right like this uh sometimes these organizations will just assume that no one will even click on them just take the headline at face value and think to themselves okay obama pleads for billions in new deficit spending but the thing is if you're relying on people not clicking and reading why not just not have anything there instead of contradictory information? Well, you have to have something. <laughs> right, so they're not completely out of their well, mind. Well, Lewis is making a good point. They could just Photoshop a headline of a non-existent article. Uh, yes, that's true. But this, this was an original headline leading back to another article which just didn't say what the headline suggested. Right. Remember when we also talked about when Bill O'Reilly... Uh, when, or no, wait, what story was it that we had? Oh, when Fox News had a story about traditional marriage earlier this week, but then they put a picture unknowingly, I guess unknowingly, of a lesbian couple, and we said, could it be that it was just some kind of a prank? Someone who uh, is a viewer of the show, I won't, I won't say their name just in case uh, they don't want to be linked back to the story. This was the picture. He knows someone who, who at one point worked in an area of Fox News that could comment on this with some authority and said that actually a lot of the people that work on the online side are liberal and they have a sense for satire and they don't follow the Fox News traditional conservative line and that this is exactly the type of thing that they would do as a prank, uh, just putting up a picture of a, of a lesbian couple in a story touting the, the, the uh, benefits of traditional marriage. So that's... Anecdotal. Yeah, that was we, we did speculate. We did that, speculate, yeah. and it is anecdotal, but it's interesting to hear that that would not be unprecedented in the online team for Fox News. Excellent. Okay, what what do you think is the best thing? The thing about the show that is best and most appealing to to somebody who listens or watches. 
because we cover everything and we do it well. <laughs> Why do you think people watch the show? I think that it's a completely different angle. I don't think it's about being expansive or up to date. I think it's 99% of media that's out there is giving one story, it's giving a particular point of view, and it's also not covering certain stories. So I don't know that it's about being up to date or expansive. I think it's, it's a well, non- Well, that's what I said. We cover everything. Well, we don't cover everything, Lewis. How can we cover everything? We cover eight to ten stories. Everything important, pretty much. Well, if that doesn't make you curious, I don't know what will. Check out The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. Yesterday we covered a story where Fox News uh, was talking about Al Jazeera and they said that uh, it might be a way to trigger sleeper cells. Oh my God. Now, Megyn Kelly mentioned it and then her guest mentioned it and they had all these crazy theories about how uh, there's sleeper cells in Detroit and the fact that of the seven or eight uh, different uh, bureaus Al Jazeera is going to have in the United States, one of them is in Detroit. And there was once someone in Dearborn, Michigan, who was caught aiding Hezbollah. One person, okay? Well, obviously there's all those sleeper cells in Dearborn or Detroit or in that near area. And when Al Jazeera gets on TV and they say, it'll seem like they're saying good morning or welcome to Al Jazeera America, but that triggers the cell. Lunatics, right? Now, okay, but Fox is crazy. And so they say crazy stuff all the time, not a big deal. But today, they said it again. Now, twice is a memo. Once is a ah, typical Fox craziness. Twice means somebody in their, in their executive offices wrote a memo and handed it to the anchors and said, you keep bringing this up. And the two people they plant memos most with, Megyn Kelly, that was yesterday, and today, Fox and Friends. Watch. Well, I think the American Spectator put it very well. This is a half-billion-dollar Trojan horse for terror TV. And just along with the rest of the domestic uh, liberal media, Al Jazeera is going to uh, pose on a mask of objectivity. They're hiring so-called investigative reporters now at all of these bureaus, and they're going to have an expansive reach into American homes. Uh, and I think it's uh, incumbent upon those of us who are very familiar with how Al Jazeera abroad has cheerleaded for terror that has taken American lives that they know who these people side with cheerleading for terror terror TV they bring Michelle Malkin on to make these idiotic points and then they uh, Steve Ducey joins in they have a great time <laughs> Al Jazeera now look it's fascinating so first of all let me just address the nonsense right now, one of the reasons that they make all these charges is because in the beginning when Osama bin Laden was putting out tapes, Al Jazeera got those tapes and they aired them. If you're a news organization and the biggest criminal in the world has given you a tape and you don't air it, you're not a news organization. You might be something else, but you don't do news. Is, were the bin Laden tapes news? Of course they were news! Who wouldn't run that? You'd be crazy not to run that. Maybe the only people in the world who wouldn't run it is the American media, who's just another branch of the U.S. government. So they would say, well, yes, government, what would you like me to do? Oh, you would like me to hide that from the uh, people of the world. Of course, I will do that for you. Now, of course, CNN, New York Times, Washington Post in the past have hid uh, evidence and stories in, in, that the Bush administration didn't want. So, for example, we had uh, 
Al-Qaeda's uh, Al top leader, Osama bin Laden, cornered in Tora Bora. New York Times knew about it before the election in 2004, held the story till afterwards. Warrantless wiretapping, New York Times knew about the story before the election in 2004, held it as a political gift to George W. Bush afterwards. Why, oh no, uh, national security. No, 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 you're not press if you do that. There were great stories by the New York Times, but you run it as soon as you have it. So this is a wild excuse to try to paint Al Jazeera as the bad guys. Now we return to the question of why. So that's interesting. Now Al Jazeera America is not going to launch for some time now. Current is still on, I know, because I'm on current. And look, understand that, and if you think I'm biased because of that, I I'm letting you know where I stand. And anybody who watches this show knows I've called out employers before many, many times, and it's gotten me in a lot of trouble before. But I've done it anyway, okay? This isn't about that. This, so, but why Fox News is going after Al Jazeera America today instead of when they start to launch? I'll tell you why. It turns out Al Jazeera America is hiring a ton of people from cable news. They've put out hundreds, thousands of job employment opportunities and from what I hear, and honestly, I don't have a deal with Al Jazeera America. I had a deal with Current. I don't have one. So I wouldn't know personally, right? But from what I hear, they're paying good wages. So this is Roger Ailes sending a shot across the bow saying, hey, you're going to come mess with us, and you're going to get reporters, and you're going to create competition, and you're going to do all these things that we don't want? Well, then I'm going to call you Terror TV, and I'm going to send out my minions, my dogs, to attack and to say day in and day out, just because you have an Arabic name, just because you did journalism, we're going to call you terrorists. That's how we play dirty in America. And by the way, then the great irony is these guys are criticizing Al Jazeera for not doing journalism right. <laughs> Fox News. By the way, one of their big complaints is Al Jazeera owned by Arabs. Oh, they got the petrodollars over there. God knows what their connections are. Hey, guys, you know who the second largest shareholder of Fox News is? Nothing I love pointing out more than this. There he is. Look at that. Prince Bin Talal Alaweed. And there he is with News Corp executives. They're being infiltrated as we look at that picture right there. That is the infiltrating, infiltration meeting. That's their second largest shareholder. They answer to him. So don't come talking to me about, oh, my God. Uh, Arabs are coming in the sleeper cells and all that stuff. We're going to introduce you to the new talk. Let's get straight to it. Middle East bread, I got oil well money in the desert playing golf. Doche shorts, dashiki with a Louis scarf. And finally, you might not be surprised to find out that something on the Fox News channel turned out to be horrible. During a discussion about concealed weapons, viewers of the February 19th broadcast of the show The Five heard one panelist question whether rape on college campuses was really such a big deal. Where were you well right there? heard about a rape on campus? What? what are you talking about? Uh, it's like rampant. It's rampant? Rapes on campus? In particular, date rape on campus. Wow. Yes, well, Tom, rape, it's yeah, a very big, big problem. Are you going to take a gun out and shoot your date? Uh, maybe you should. If your date is a rapist, you shoot them. <laughs> can, can we move on? Let's move on.
Now, we know Fox News is Fox News, but it's important to note that these comments came from one of Fox's token liberals, Bob Beckel. He issued an apology of a sort the next day, explaining that, of course, rape is horrendous and that he was attempting to say, well, something. This episode goes right along with other outrageous and idiotic things Beckel has said on Fox over the years, referring to Oriental eyes, Chinamen, rednecks, and on and on. He's apologized for some, but not enough, of these outbursts. Given this track record, one has to assume that Fox News Channel keeps him around as a token liberal for a reason. The mission of this show is to aggregate and amplify the best voices of the truly liberal media, and now you can play a critical role in helping fulfill that mission. I pick out the best clips I hear to share with you, and now you can do just the same thing extremely easily. Now available at bestoftheleft.com, each clip I play is made available individually with simple buttons that allow you to share your favorites on your networks through Facebook, Twitter, by email, and beyond. By myself, I can amplify this content to thousands of people, but collectively, we have the potential to reach millions. No kidding. Become your own media activist by taking one minute to share your favorite content a couple of days each week, help more people plug into the truly liberal media, and be an integral part of this extremely virtuous cycle. Thanks so much for your help. Hilarious Fox News fail. Steve Ducey keeps getting caught in these horrible situations, and it's not clear if it's his doing or his, his uh, higher-ups. But he had, a, uh, he had a, a reporter author on named Charlie LaDuff. And Charlie LaDuff wrote a book about Detroit and the problems in Detroit. And Steve Ducey was desperate to get LaDuff to blame Democrats for the problems in Detroit. And, of course, LaDuff very fairly cited all of the history of Detroit of corrupt Republicans and, and everything that's happened as a result. And just watch Steve Ducey. If you're watching, look, check out the look on his face when he decides to change topic. But if you're listening... Immediately after Steve Ducey doesn't get what he wants on this, he decides to just go in a completely different direction with the questioning and ask something about uh, something so innocuous. Just take a listen to this. It's, it's fantastic. Doesn't go well for once the richest city in America, the home of the blue collar worker and the great automobile industry. Now <laughs> Detroit, Michigan is a poster child for urban blight, high unemployment and was just named America's most miserable city. Yes. By Forbes magazine. What happened? Let's talk to the guy who just affirmed that. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Pulitzer Prize winning journalist and author of a brand new book, Detroit, an American autopsy. Tell us. Charlie Leduff. We're on. number one, man. Way to go. Charlie, uh, what happened to Detroit? Well, a lot of things happened in Detroit. Uh, oil embargo happened in Detroit. We were making bad cars in Detroit. Right. We have racial problems we haven't acknowledged in Detroit. Uh, trade packs happen in Detroit. You got your corrupt politicians. Corrupt politicians. We got this uh, new economy with uh, exotic pieces of paper. And then the big ones coming up here. swaps we bought in and boom, yeah. pop goes a weasel. How long has Detroit been run by Democrats? <laughs> Is it related? Well, I hear that a lot. Well, that's the liberals running it in the ground. But the last Republican mayor of Detroit went to federal prison for corruption. Uh -oh. The, the uh, three-county executive in getting uncomfortable. went to prison. It's our culture. Right. And by the way, there's not one Detroit Democrat running Wall Street, not one Detroit Democrat running Halliburton. This is a national American sickness. Right. We're just corrupt cheaters. That's what we do now. 
In your book, and you talk about how you you grew up in Detroit, then you went out to work in Los Angeles, went back to Detroit. <laughs> when you were growing up, your mother's flower shop was firebomb. Yeah, right. Sure. That's the whoa, whoa. It's not it's not Democrats' fault. Tell us about your mom's flower shop. Let's switch to that. And Ducey completely stumbling and mumbling over this. The plan did not go well, Lewis. Let's change the narrative right away. I wish this wasn't live so we could cut this whole part out. Well, I mean, I, I have to admit, the the firebombing of a flower shop does sound pretty interesting. <laughs> so you're actually interested. You, I, you, we should have started with that, maybe, than trying to blame Democrats. Let's talk about the violence that's <laughs> happening in Detroit. Unbe it's so fun to watch Fox News propaganda efforts just explode in their face, like the firebombing, presumably. Well, you have to give it a shot, right? The Republican propaganda machine ignoring history as always. We've had already this year, this is Steve Ducey gem number three in just two months. In January, Steve Ducey did this segment where he had to say, I guess he had to say, he felt the need to say, that Mitt Romney's lie of the year was actually true, the Jeeps being produced in China, that whole thing which was a lie. He tried to say it was true. And then just this month, he started speculating that Hillary Clinton had a facelift. So it's not been a good year so far for Steve Ducey on Fox News, has it? Can't remember the last time he had a good year. <laughs> when I was 17 It was a very good year It was a very good year For small-town girls And soft summer nights We'd hide from the lights On the village green When I was 17. Two nights ago, Bill O'Reilly goes on and talks about how NBC won't talk about the drone strikes. That's <laughs> insane. Now, NBC broke the story, so it was an epic fail. It's hilarious. It's he was comparing it to how NBC, they complain, they all oh, they can't hate waterboarding. Mm -hmm. I love it. He's just, yeah. why don't you hate waterboarding? But well, that's they, they, the they, point. They talk all about waterboarding, but they didn't bring up the drone. Yeah. So, of course, he's 100% wrong because the first story was on MSNBC, Rachel Maddow's show, Mike Lizakoff. broke Lizakon, the story. Yeah, of NBC News, broke it on Rachel's show. Okay. So, how's he going to recover from that? It's on tape. It's ridiculous. So, he goes on last night and has this to say. Now, last night I talked with Bob Deckel about the difference in analysis on the subject of waterboarding as compared to killing people with drones, a policy President Obama embraces. I put forth it over at NBC News and other media places. They were hysterical over waterboarding, but muted over President Obama's drone attacks, at least until yesterday. Immediately, the far-left machine cranked up. O'Reilly didn't say that NBC News broke the drone memo story. He's a deceiver. True. I didn't say NBC broke the memo story because we weren't talking about that. Waterboarding versus drone strikes. But once again, we have a propaganda campaign designed to make ignorant people on the left even more ignorant. One of the great assets that people have that's undervalued is no conscience. <laughs> like a lot of the bankers make a ton of money because yes. they have no conscience, House. right? Not because they're the smartest guys mm -hmm. in the room. Some are, but some aren't. Just have no conscience. Well, O'Reilly lies without a conscience. Mm -hmm. So he says, "Oh, I was. I didn't say that NBC and MSNBC wasn't covering it at all. 
I just said, as opposed to waterboarding. And he said in the middle there, oh, you know, we, uh, you know, just yesterday they started covering it. But before that they weren't covering Well, that doesn't make any sense. They're the ones who broke the story days ago, right? And in case you were wondering, we've got him on tape. Right? From the first day. From the first day. Like he has tape of that conversation with Bob Beckel. Turns out other people do too. Yeah. And so in case you were wondering if he meant like, hey, they haven't covered the drone story at all, watch. Uh, NBC News, I thought they were going to like melt down over there. Mm -hmm. You heard anything on NBC about the drones? Not yet. No. And I don't care. Yeah. Okay, okay. Right, right. So you haven't heard anything over there about this, and then neither have I. I don't want Neither has my staff. Okay. Okay. So we, we haven't heard anything, but we heard a lot about waterboarding, but nothing about drone strikes. Nothing about drone strikes. No, we nothing. haven't heard anything. But the, and that was yesterday, the day they broke. The, the day after they had broken the story, right? This, a couple this, of days this after was they broke. Right, that the was the thing that got him in trouble. Yeah. So. So, he's lying. Just blatant, blatantly late. lying. Late. He's saying we were talking about the drone strikes. We were talking about waterboarding versus drone strikes. You're talking about drone strikes. Yeah, so they mentioned waterboarding later in the conversation. But the whole first part of the conversation is they haven't mentioned the drone strikes at all. Also, he so, so but this will and then and then like so so Brian will so let me ask you this question. So when stuff like this happens every day, and then when Barack Obama's administration didn't want to let the Fox News have credentials at the White House, right? Uh, but then all the other news agencies stood up for Fox. When is the other news agencies going to try to marginalize them? N never. So I talked about this earlier this week in relationship to an article that Howard Kurtz wrote about this issue. And they always circle the wagons and they protect Fox News. Why? A third of them already worked at Fox News. A third of them plan to work at Fox News. And at least two-thirds of them have a friend that works at Fox News. I've been there. I know. And in the building at MSNBC, about a third of the people already worked at Fox News. Do you think they're going to say, yes, I was doing propaganda, it was total BS, and I worked for the Republican Party? Are they going to say, my really good friend Bob, who works right across the street at Fox News, is an asshole? He's a propagandist, and he they don't really do news. No, they're all going to circle the wagons, and they're going to say, no, it's real, it's real, it's real, it's real, a real news channel, and I can't wait to get paid but by But they, them. Fox News, demonizes the mainstream media every day. That's why it's so, an but, uneven playing field. That's why Fox News wins, because yeah. one side fights and the other side doesn't. And it's, look, it's genius by uh, Roger Ailes. They, he says, look, this is what I think of you. Bam! And then he says, oh, no, 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 you better not respond, otherwise I might not hire you one day. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a, it's a, you know, it's, it's, it's also in our mentality. It's in our DNA a little bit. I was watching uh, uh, the Ed show with uh, my girlfriend, and Ed did a segment on uh, Steve Ducey, you know, uh, yes. be, being a douchebag, and uh, and she was like, God, it's just a waste of time. I'm so tired of hearing people just complain about what other people said. She was like, You're a news show. She's talking to Ed. Tell me something. Inform me of the events of the day. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, why do they waste time running clips from Fox? And I thought, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I was like, look, you got to. Yeah. You absolutely have I to. Agree. You have to. You can't. This fight is not over. This fight has changed so dramatically since 2004, 2005, right? We've, we've battled back. We have made significant ground. But it's not over until they are, you know, they, they can't say anymore fair and balanced and have it land with anybody other than the the 10 million people who rotate listening yes. to those shows like no one buys it but that said still until they are totally until the idea of giving them a seat uh, in the White House briefing room is the same as giving it to World News Daily until that moment comes you continue to belittle them every day
Hi, Jay. It's Ian in Baltimore calling back. I just wanted to comment on the bit about how we can't go to war with an entity that is in a nation. While I appreciate that that would be a matter of good policy, I don't think that there's actually any legal definition that would actually force us to not be able to go to war with a non-state entity. I know that it doesn't really make any sense and it's stupid, but that doesn't mean it's illegal. That doesn't mean that it doesn't fit within the Constitution. The Constitution just says that Congress has the ability to declare war. The fact is that the courts have interpreted the authorization of military force from 2001 to be a declaration of war. I don't have any control over that. Neither does anyone else. That means that for all intents and purposes, we are at war with Al-Qaeda. I don't agree with how it's been implemented. I don't think it's even a good strategy because it's a criminal act and it should be treated as a criminal act. But you're wrong on the actual issue of policy. Legally speaking, we are at war with Al-Qaeda, and there's not much any of us can do about that short of the president declaring the war over, which we'll see if that ever happens. Anyway, have a good day. Thanks. Hi, my name is Isaiah. I'm in New York. And regarding Obama and the full-throated defense of his drone policy, I certainly don't have one of those. What's interesting to me, though, is that he's clearly a smart man, doesn't seem particularly bellicose, and is, as a constitutional law scholar, certainly aware of the constitutional implications of his actions. So the only thing that I can think that makes sense to me is and I'm aware how gross this sounds, but maybe he has information that we don't. I mean, I can't imagine that he hasn't heard the argument that the drone strikes are creating more terrorists. It certainly seems a logical enough one for one to me, and I can't imagine that the logic of it is lost on him. So, again, as bad as it sounds, the only thing that's logical to me is that he doesn't that he knows something that we don't. So. That's my only possible defense of that policy. Uh, keep, up, keep up the good work. Great show. Hey, Jay. This is Todd Drummond, Occupied Los Angeles. And, um, yeah, I just can't believe people are calling in in support of, like, drone strikes and extrajudicial killing. I mean, a person is more than 800 times likely to be killed by a police officer than they are to die in a terrorist attack on U.S. soil. So supporting these drone strikes is incredibly short-sighted. I mean, it's basically allowing our own government to be completely lawless, you know. So then where do they have any moral authority, one, to tell what other countries should do, and two, what to tell our own citizens what they can and can't do. And it's just, I mean, how wimpy Americans are. I mean, if we're giving up our principles just due to the remote fear that we might be injured or killed in a, in a terrorist attack, I mean, that's just pathetic. I mean, Americans should be willing to take some of the risk in order to stand behind our principles. You know me, I, I was a Obama volunteer from 2007 to 2008, and, you know, now I actively go around and uh, argue that he's probably the second worst president we've ever had in, in our history, and, um, you know, I think it's hugely insulting that our first African-American president would be so shitty 
when it comes to civil rights. Anyway, stay awesome, man. Bye. Hey, Jay. This is Drea from Pennsylvania, and my comment is that I cannot stand listening to all the conversation about whether or not it is acceptable for the administration to assassinate American citizens abroad. What does the fact that they're American have to do with anything? They're assassinating human beings abroad. Children, women, everyone in the Middle East is in danger right now of being killed by a drone strike, whether they're American, Egyptian, Yemeni, it does not matter. Being American is irrelevant. Thank you. Hey, Jay, it's Colin from Cleveland again, calling to, uh, I actually calling in regards of Wade. And uh, first of all, let me say I'm glad that Wade actually does take the time again to call in and, you know, contribute his conservative views, you know, so we can see where the other person is coming from, not just what the, uh, the news paints the other side out to be. That being said, I understand what he's saying about uh, people who pretty much denounce America should expect to retribution and the drone strikes. But my argument to his point would be, that kind of logic is the same logic that got us into the Iraq war. High-ranking government officials felt that the you know, Iraq was up to something, felt they were doing something. So instead of taking the whole issue to task and, you know, actually doing legal proceedings, and, I mean, instead they beat the drum, rallied everyone for war, and we got into a BS war. I mean, I'm not picking on... Uh, weight at all and I enjoy his you know his views and this is just something I'd like him to think about you know to counter what he's saying and you know that's the whole idea of this show and I'm glad someone from the right is calling in and we're actually having a grown-up discussion instead of the shouting down of each other like you see on all the cable news shows Jay love the show Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you would like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 202-999-3991. So first of all, yes, Wade did call back. I know you were curious. But I didn't have time to play his message. I want to give other people a chance to talk. So you know, I may get to that in the next show. But uh, for today, I want to lighten things up a little bit. Uh, I want to read to you uh, something that made me, you know, laugh a little bit in the worst kind of way. Uh, this is from the the website McSweeney's.net. They're a great resource uh, for satirical articles on all sorts of topics. And so, so I just want to read this to you. Um, it's a relatively short article. It's a monologue titled "White House Press Secretary Has a Few Words About the Secret Kill List." So this is the White House press secretary speaking to the uh, White House press corps. I have to say, not only as President Obama's press secretary, but also as an American citizen, that I am dismayed that all of your questions have focused on the secret list of individuals approved to be executed via drone strike. I am more than a little disappointed that none of you have asked the more optimistic question, who is not on President Obama's kill list? Betty White is not on the list. Bob Costas is not on the list. Do you enjoy the show Mad Men? No one who has ever appeared on that show is going to be taken out by this administration. Do you have tickets to see Maroon 5? If you're making contingency plans in case one of the members dies a fiery death, stop right now. None of them are on the list. 
Madonna, not on the list. Meatloaf, not on the list. Robin Thicke, not on the list. Cat Stevens is a tremendous singer. Some have expressed concern that without due process of law, the military could execute individuals based on guilt by association. Ridiculous. Did you know that of all Muslim Americans living abroad, less than half are on the kill list? Less than half! And while we're on the subject, I have heard some suggest that everyone on the kill list is Muslim. Tell that to Greg. I mean, you guys don't know Greg, but he's on the kill list, and he is completely un-Muslim. You are all going to feel pretty silly when Greg explodes. We are simply in the business of protecting America, and that requires some secrecy. We would love to release our secret kill list, but that would be weird, and there would be a lot of hurt feelings. Perhaps someday we will live in a safer world, and the government will be more open and honest. Until that day comes, I will continue to end every press conference by throwing down a smoke bomb and sneaking out of the room as I must do right now. So there you go. Fun for everyone. That's going to be it for today. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to those uh, who support the show, especially either by becoming a member or making one-time donations to the show. That is absolutely how the program survives. Stay tuned into the show between episodes by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter. And for details on the show itself, including links to all the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information is always posted in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from inside the Beltway, yet outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the best of a podcast coming to you every third day thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com It's just a fun flag.